welcome once again to Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how are you? I am fine, Phil. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, before we begin discussion of uh, the latest episode of the Westworld HBO television series, uh, we do have some house cleaning. And the uh, first is, uh, Eric, you do another podcast with your buddy Dan? I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Escancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Google Play, Stitcher, and the iTunes Store. And Mike, uh, myself, Eric, and you actually do another podcast and I think you also do a blog. Uh, the blog is Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. The other podcast, of course, is the parent podcast of Bullets, Problems, and Bots, which is Dark Discussions. Dark Discussions is your source for uh, horror film, fantasy, and all that is fantastic. We have it as a weekly show uh, with the three of us, typically, as well as Abe Spiney and occasionally uh, Christy Peterson Schoonover is currently uh, recovering from a tornado attack so she uh, will be back for this next episode though okay so there we go so she'll be returning yes uh yes uh so uh dark discussions is www.darkdiscussions.com that is the website for also bullets brothels and bots a westworld podcast rather than opening a new website for the spin-off podcast we just use the big umbrella of dark discussions which has a Facebook group called Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook Group. Uh, search for that on Facebook and we shall add you, or you can go to it through a direct link from www.darkdiscussions.com. We do have an email tonight. Uh, emails for this podcast are darkdiscussions at aol.com. And uh, we uh, hope to hear your opinions on uh, what we have to say as well as on Westworld. Uh, Eric, uh, what else can folks find on darkdiscussions.com? Oh, they can find all sorts of stuff. One of the things they can find is every single episode of all of the podcasts available for free in the audio directory. Uh, so if you haven't listened to one of the others and want to check it out, it's all right up there for you to download at your convenience. There's also an article section with a bunch of articles that people have written, including myself. And on the very front page, there is a link to our Patreon account. Patreon is a service that lets you support your online artists, like podcasters, and helps us defray the cost of putting on the podcast, because we have to pay money to do stuff like see movies and pay server fees and buy new equipment and so on and so forth. So if you would like to support us in the endeavor of keeping the podcast going, you can go to that link on the front page to the Patreon account, or you can go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions, and for every $5 a month you donate, you'll have an opportunity to submit a topic for us to possibly cover, which are drawn on a quarterly basis from all our Patreon supporters. Uh, for more details, go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions. And uh, for folks who are curious, since uh, you may be here listening specifically because of Westworld, uh, we also do a Game of Thrones podcast, which is called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. And uh, a couple of things about the podcast. You can find them on Stitcher, iTunes, and in Google Play, as well as on the website. But if you want all our podcasts, you can search for Dark Discussions Podcast, which uh, the feed includes 
uh, all the Dark Discussions episodes, but also the Game of Thrones and the Westworld episodes and so on. Uh, but you can also just listen to us through Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, and uh, search for either Dark Discussions podcast or Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Uh, now, um, as a podcast, and uh, specifically uh, Dark Discussions, but also this one here, uh, we do have a few events that we're doing. Uh, one of them um, is in, what, two, three weeks, Mike? Uh, I think it's about three weeks, a little under. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's going to be in Framingham, Massachusetts, June 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, the convention itself is the 16th and 17th. There is a... Uh, what is the name of that convention? Like? Oh, that's uh, Scaricon Weekend in New England. Okay. And continue, Mike. I'm sorry. And uh, so if you arrive in uh, Framingham, Massachusetts on Friday night, there will be a like a pre-gathering party for those of us who get there early. But the actual convention begins in earnest on Saturday and ends on Sunday. You and I will be there. We'll be doing... Uh, we'll have a table... We will be promoting a podcast, but we will also be hosting uh, a few of the panels and Q&As. Uh, there are a couple of panels on how to do horror podcasting. There is a couple of panels on uh, getting started in writing horror fiction. Uh, and then there's a few of the Q&As with celebrity guests that we'll be doing, including uh, someone we have interviewed before, Greg Nagosian. And who is the other? Uh, Michael Neal. Michael Neal. On, on uh, how to make uh, independent films. Uh, and we'll also be doing Q&As with uh, Doug Bradley of Hellraiser, with uh, uh, Danny Lloyd of The Shining, and David Naughton of An American Werewolf in London, all separately. They're not all in one panel. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so um, Dark Discussions, I mean, myself and Mike, and maybe Abe Spinney will be there as uh, Dark Discussions, but also as Bulls, Brothels, and Bots, and we will be uh, discussing... Uh, anything you like if you come to our table and you also can come to any of the panels where as Mike said we will be doing a Q&A with uh, these um, these movie stars so it'll be uh, quite fun and it should be a good time and uh, we're uh, hoping uh, some folks will come out if you are in the greater New England area southern eastern Canada area or uh, the northeast of the US of A um, now, uh, what are we doing in August, Eric? Oh, we're having some fun in Mystic, Connecticut on the weekend of the 25th of August. Uh, we will all be converging on Mystic, all of the Dark Discussions hosts. Uh, and we would love to meet up with any of our listeners that would wish to do so. So if you'd like to meet us in Mystic, Connecticut on Saturday, the 25th of August... Uh, send an email to darkdiscussions at AOL.com and Phil can give you all the details. We are probably going to go see a movie and then record a podcast on that movie afterwards. At least that's been uh, what we've done the last couple of times we've met up. And, oh, there will probably be a meal involved at some point as well. So, uh, if you're interested in meeting up in Mystic, uh, send an email to darkdiscussions at AOL.com. That's right, that's right. And uh, if you want to talk about uh, um Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, or Westworld itself, uh, we, we will gladly uh, discuss that, too. Um, and maybe after five or six months later, uh, or actually, it won't even be that. It'll be three or four months later, um, how we feel about 
uh, the series and this season specifically will be kind of interesting to figure figure you you know you step away for a few months and then you come back and you think about it. Uh, so that will be fun. Uh, Mike, you actually will also represent Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast and dark discussion at one other convention in August, is it? Uh, yes, that is going to be Scares of Care Weekend, uh, which is August, I believe, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, it's uh, also got its own pregame show. It's a, turned into an annual tradition. Is that They will show a movie at the pool on Thursday night. This year, the movie is Jaws 2. Uh, since they did Jaws two years ago in Parada last year. That's obviously an aquatic-themed poolside viewing. Uh, celebrities for this year, uh, besides myself, of course, uh, will be... Um, you have Keith David from The Thing and They Live and Platoon and Chronicles of Riddick from Sons of and Anarchy. And Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Rogers from Sons of Anarchy. You have uh, Mark Boone Jr., who played Bobby, Tommy Flanagan who played Chibs, and Kim Coates, who played uh, Tiggs, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney from Night of the Comet, Doug Bradley from Hellraiser, Eugene Clark from Land of the Dead, Zach Galligan from Gremlins and Gremlins 2, uh, Sydney Walsh in her first convention appearance from Nightmare on Elm Street 2 to Die For and Point Break, uh, Costas Mandalore from the Saw series, Seth Gilliam from The Walking Dead and The Wire, uh, Eric Anderson from Friday the 13th and many, many, oh, Tony Todd from Candyman and many others will be there. There's still guests coming to be announced. Uh, there are also photo opportunities if you go to the website Scares That Care Weekend. Uh, you can find those. There's also a whole host of authors. The author, se- uh, author section is put together by horror author Brian Keene, who's a big supporter of the Scares That Care charity. And all the profits for the charity weekend do go uh, to help people in need. So please go take a look at scaresthatcare.org and learn more about it. Uh, that's right, that's right. Um, and uh, Keith David, also uh, the voice in one of the, the Halo series, and he was in Requiem for a Dream, and he was in, you know, uh, uh, There's Something About Mary. He's the best. Gonna like him. And he also does the documentaries now, too, uh, because he has one of those awesome voices. Um, yeah, so uh, hopefully some folks will, will come out and see any of us. Uh, if you have questions about that, uh, just email darkdiscussions at AOL.com, as Eric mentioned. Uh, let's see. Any items we want to discuss about robots, Westworld in general, or Michael Crichton, or anything related? I, I have something uh, passingly related. Um, I imagine that a lot of our listeners that watch Westworld uh, enjoy Westerns. And if you're one of those people that enjoys Westerns, there was actually an excellent one that came out at the beginning of this year in theaters that not a whole lot of people went to see. It was called Hostiles. It uh, stars Christian Bale and uh, Rosamund Pike. Uh, and I just watched it again over the weekend with my friends Dan and Susie. Um, and it's really good. So if you like Westerns, I recommend that one called Hostiles. Nice, nice. Uh, speaking of westerns, uh, I actually saw a pretty damn good western too at the theaters this weekend called Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, if That's you not like, a western, jackass. It is. It's a western in space. Uh, Mike will verify that because I'm sure he has already seen the film. Uh, it has one of the greatest train robberies ever on cinema, in my opinion. But uh, if you like science fiction films, it may be worth checking out because uh, it has... Uh, all the things that people want in science fiction if you're into, I guess, space opera. Uh, but also, as we discussed right here, Eric, it is very much reminiscent of a Western, but in space. So if you like uh, Firefly or Star Trek 
or any of that other stuff. Uh, this this is kind of sort of like that. Uh, Mike, you actually saw a solo uh, Star Wars story, I believe, didn't you? Yes, I did. And uh, what do you think? Uh, I thought Firefly did the train robbery better. I thought it was an okay film. I didn't think it was the greatest thing ever. All right, there you go. Um, anything else anybody wanted to bring up? Actually, I don't even remember. Was there in Firefly there was a, a train robbery? I can't. I forget. Yes, first episode. Okay, so well, it depends on if you watch it when it aired or not. <laughs> oh, that's a good point, right? Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I haven't seen it since about four or five years ago when you sent me the DVD, Eric. So I, I forget. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, anything else? Space, space opera, western, anything? No, I think I think we got an episode to talk about though. All right, so uh, we do have an email here, so let's uh, read that first. Uh, the email is from a gentleman named Sean. Are Fox. you sure we don't want to read it later? If it has uh, to do with this episode, we should read it later. Yeah, all right, all right, we'll read it later. I, I have not read the email yet, so uh, you could be right, Eric. So we'll we'll read that. We'll read it after we throw up the spoiler alert. How about that? Okay. So let's do this. Uh, let's uh, discuss uh, this here. Uh, this. Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, is going to discuss um, Season 2, Episode 6, Phase Space, and anything related in the series that may come back uh, that could kind of be important to Phase Space. Uh, the, the episode was directed by the Swedish director Tariq Salel. Uh, Tariq Salel... Um, was uh, born and raised in Sweden. Um, his mother is Swedish and his father is Egyptian. Um, and he <laughs> Why do you tell this? Oh, well, I, I did research on the gentleman prior, <laughs> um, to be honest. Uh, but, he, but he has done a lot of uh, items that are related to uh, uh, both Sweden and Egypt. Um, because, uh, uh, But most of it's... Uh, I believe in, in Swedish language. Um, I have no idea how they hired him or where they found him, but uh, I guess he has some credentials that are, are, are uh, at least prominent. Uh, Kali Ray is the writer of this this uh, episode. Um, don't know much about her. Good night, Daddy. Oh, good night, Colette. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Uh, high five, high five. Uh, right. Okay, so... Um, Can she no. say, I want to play with you? That was my daughter here. Oh, and now here comes the other one, Vivian. Hi, Vivian. Good night, night. Yes. Yeah, that's the headphones, yeah. Oh, nice time. From, from Colette. Yeah, yeah. High five, Vivian. High five. All right. All right, now they're high five. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Night, 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 night. Okay. Phil, yes. how how did you produce those cute creatures? I don't understand. Oh, God, do I have to teach you, too? <laughs> That's funny. Right? No, but I'm thinking of genetics. It doesn't make sense. Oh. Your, your wife must be a sweetheart. Oh, come on, Eric. <laughs> A good buns. I can't be that to me. Um, on a serious note, back to uh, the episode. Uh, came out on May 27th, 2018. We we're recording this on Memorial Day 28th of uh, 2018. Um, the viewership hasn't been uh, released yet, but uh, last week's viewership, I 
Akani no Mai was 1.55 million, which is uh, the third lowest. So it keeps on dropping each each week. Uh, the, the two lowest were from last season, and then every episode uh, since episode three, I think, has been slowly made. It keeps on falling to third lowest, third lowest, third lowest. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for this episode. Um, but I guess we can. Uh, go around and discuss what we felt about this. Uh, so uh, let's start with Mr. Mean Eric. <laughs> I'm just busting your chest, Phil. This episode, I, I, mm, I liked, I really liked certain things about this episode, but as a whole, I don't think I liked it as much as the last two weeks. Um, yeah, there, there are particular plot points I'm not particularly interested in that take up time that I'd rather be spending elsewhere. Hopefully everything will intertwine eventually, and I won't feel this way about some portions of episodes being a waste of my time. Um, but still not on board with Dolores. Um, yeah, so I I liked the episode, but I, I wasn't like... After the last couple weeks after watching the episode, I was all pumped up after that. Done watching the episode. That was not the case this week. I was just like, okay, on to the next thing. All right. Very good. Um, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I, I like this episode um, a pretty, pretty much. Um, there's a couple of things that uh, I'll discuss that I didn't like, and it's not related really to this episode. It's more related to the season itself and possibly last episode. I, unlike you, are felt last week's episode was one of the worst in the season and maybe the worst in the series, but that's just personally for me. Um, this one um, was pretty solid, except for, oddly, uh, I, I did not enjoy much um, uh, Tandy Newton's or Maeve's uh, storyline this week. Um because of, of some of the issues related to last week. Uh, but all in all, um, yeah, it, it was pretty solid, uh, though um, it, it's, it's not necessarily one that w- grabs me and says, oh, yeah, I have to continue watching this uh, show, but uh, at least uh, moves the story along um, at least a, at a decent pace anyway. Uh, Mike? Uh, I actually like this one quite a bit. I liked it more than last week's. Uh, although last week's was fine, it felt more of a diversion than anything else. Uh, this week we got back on track. There were some significant developments, uh, both at the beginning and at the end of the episode, and at least one more, or one or two more in the middle, uh, and we'll, I'm sure, talk about those. Um, we are now past the halfway mark. Uh, re- revelations are starting to come, and this series story arc, season story arc, is starting to come together. And, uh, well, we'll see what people think about that. I do expect, by the way, Phil, the ratings to drop again this week because it's Memorial Day weekend, and people tend not to watch a lot of TV on Memorial Day weekend. Or movies, for that matter, it seems. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, let me see here. We do have an email, as I stated, so uh, we'll throw up the spoiler right here, and we'll discuss uh, the the entire episode and highlights and whatnot. Um, and so this email may have spoilers. So we'll just throw it up now 
and read the email and then get into our discussion. So uh, here we go. Uh, Sean Fox, a listener from Canada. He's also a listener of the Dark Discussions podcast uh, as well. And I think um, he joined us with originally with, with that podcast and found us that way rather than the other way around. Uh, and this is what he has to say. He goes, uh, hello and happy or post-happy Memorial Day to you guys and all your American listeners. I hope you enjoyed your long weekend and enjoyed the big reveal at the end of this episode. First, I will say it was a good episode, but not a great one, until the reveal at the end in the cradle. It was something I was hoping for, but wasn't sure it would come to pass. I look forward to you just what it means to everyone involved. I love the ongoing Bernard and Elsie scenes, especially her line about the macho fucks. They have a great chemistry, and her return is a very happy addition to the story and for Eric. The Maeve goddess powers thing is a double-edged sword, as though it is cool when she uses it. It also creates a need to balance the equation storytelling-wise. Unless they can explain that she can only use it for short periods because it takes a huge toll on her physically, emotionally, or drains her in some way. It doesn't make sense that she doesn't just go in God mode, video game, cheat style, all time, whenever danger rears its head. Like, for instance, her return to her homestead. The new Macho Fuck Teddy version seems like a toy Dolores is going to wish she hadn't realigned or upgraded. Whether his new merciless, mean scowl attitude is going to end up screwing up her plans or outright lead to him backstabbing Dolores in the back, that is my humble theory at this point. I'm not a fan of William's daughter, and she has done nothing to endear or ingratiate herself in the story. Hopefully down the line it will work itself out, but I wish the tiger had offed her and the tiger had survived their encounter instead. Okay, enough rambling. You gents have things to do. Thanks, as always, for all your efforts, and hope you have a great week ahead of you. Screw that. I hope you all have your best weeks ever. Sean from St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. All right. So uh, thank you, uh, Sean, for sending the email. Uh, sure, we're, we're definitely going to probably talk about every point that he mentioned and um, because we're probably going to go through all the storylines. So um, how, how do we guys want to discuss this? You want to talk about that pre-credit scene or, or the scene right after the credit? I forget when it was. but The, uh, the first scene. Yes, yes, that's important. Yeah. yeah uh, first of all, let me just even throw this out. It's a really minor thing. But did you, if you paid attention to the uh, previously on segment for Westworld, it felt like it was done very differently than they have in the past. Because they just kind of had like a an ongoing rhythm going on in the background. They just cut one scene after the other without like the previously on, without dialogue. It was just kind of showing a lot of, or not much dialogue, a lot of images of what we've seen uh, kind of randomly scattered about as opposed to stuff that you could put in context. It was sort of a weird summation of everything we've seen this season. And I don't know that it really effectively worked in terms of reminding everybody that we've seen. Okay. I don't know. It just, anyhow, uh, just something I noticed. Mm-hmm. It felt more like something you'd see sort of like at the season's end rather than the season midpoint. Okay. 
right. uh, I, I didn't it? really notice. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, Mike, um, I, I can't really comment because I kind of just ignored it and did other things while that was playing because I was waiting until the episode started. And don't ask me why, uh, because I usually pay attention to that because as we've discussed before on the show, Game of Thrones, any show, to be honest, they bring things up from five seasons ago that we supposedly forgot because you know it's going to play importance in this episode. Um, but yeah, I, I missed it. I missed it mostly. So I, I take your word for it. Um, all right. So anything else on the uh, previously on? No, that was it. Okay. All right. So let's uh, go ahead and uh, talk about this this Bernard. Dolores scene. Well, it's the same scene that opened the season. And they may, have, they may have actually, they may have actually had it one or two times since then too. I think uh, they have, but uh, but it, it was prominently opened the season uh, because they used that clip in the advertising for the season of Dolores saying, "Why would you be afraid of me?" Mm. So it's a continuation of that conversation between Dolores and Bernard, and. Well, it's it's not Bernard though. It's Arnold. Excuse me. Uh, so well, is it is it Arnold? Because well, let, let me let, let me keep going. Okay. Um, so they're having a conversation, and Arnold s- starts to wonder. Uh, he starts asking her questions about what happens if you outgrow this place. Uh, I think I have a decision to make, um, but I'm not sure whether it's mine to make. And Dolores stops him. And says, that's not what he said. And he goes, what? And she goes, that's not what he said. He he said he didn't know whether he should make the choice, not whether the choice was his to make. He didn't question his agency to make the choice. And he's really confused. He goes, what's, what's, what's going on here? At that point, she says, freeze all motor functions. And we realize that this is uh, a host, which wouldn't be unusual if it was Bernard. Um, but it doesn't seem like that conversation is one she would have had with Bernard. It certainly seems like the kind of conversation Arnold was having when he was still alive. And so then uh, he's, he says, what is this? Uh, and she says, it's a test. And he says, for what? And her answer is fidelity, which is the same answer that the man in black gave to uh, Jim Delos when they were having their conversation. So that would seem to indicate that this is not just a regular host, but this is a host that has a human consciousness uploaded to it. And I believe that consciousness is Arnold's. Okay, I see your point. I see. And and this is... Early, this so so this robot that we see that's Bernard, or or as you say Arnold, this is a different robot. In other words, it's not the original Arnold, but it's not the Bernard robot that we're used to. Well, here's the thing: we don't know when this is happening, right? So it could have happened before everything else in this season. It could be happening after everything else in the system season. Um, but I think it's got to be one of those two. 
because she's in her blue Dolores dress. Uh, and that's not what Dolores in the current storyline we're seeing her in is wearing. So I believe uh, it is later on. If that's the case, then because of other uh, incidents that happen in this episode, uh, it could be the same Bernard body with Arnold's consciousness in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I do. Well, that, that's the thing. That see, I, see where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I see because, you know, with two episodes ago, they were really pushing that consciousness from a brain into a program or, or into bits and then uploading it into these eggs and then putting the eggs into people. Um, and then we had that discussion, are these consciousness really people or not? Or are they just programs at the point in time when they were uploaded to uh, file bits? Well, and, and, and also we see that uh, when Bernard's head gets opened up this episode and his egg gets removed, we see it's one of the host ones because uh, it's like the wettish blue um, before it gets inserted into the cradle. Uh, the one he picked up uh, in the drone lab was red. So we don't know who that belongs to. It could be that the Bernard that is currently disabled in the cradle has Arnold's consciousness in its pocket. Hmm. All right. Now, um, when Dolores, am I, am I being weird here or are you following? No, I, yeah, I, know exactly I, what you're saying. I just wanted to ask one other thing before you go, for right. it, which is, was Dolores then at all times faking her, I guess, you know, the way hosts act because here it seems like she was already an independent thinker or at least programmed to turn into an independent thinker or some sort of malevolent figure when something happens because um, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I think I know what you're saying, but I, I, I believe what's going on is that for some, I don't know her motivation. I, I cannot figure that one out, but for some reason, Dolores wants Arnold around again. Uh, maybe she just likes him uh, because he cared about her. But it seems that n now that she's gained consciousness, she still retains all of her old memories. So I think she remembers the conversations that they used to have still, even so, though she is now sentient and is not in host mode anymore. But was she sentient in that scene? Uh, that we saw this week, yes. So when in the timeline would you say that that scene must have been then? Because Later. So you're saying way in the future? Not way, way in the future, but later than anything we've seen yet with Dolores this season. Ah, uh, okay. Now, now, okay, this is good. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, now, Mike, you're going to say something. Yeah, I, I'm agree in agreement. At some point in the future would be my guess, because this happens after Dolores' awakening, um, that she tries to bring Arnold back. And we've discussed this in that we don't know how much of Bernard is Arnold. Um, we know he's based on Arnold, but we don't know 
how much of his personality, how much of his uh, mental engrams made it into Bernard. And so clearly this is the, the replicant version of Bernard, because hosts are for the original programs like Dolores and Teddy. Uh, I, I, we don't, I don't, do we have a term for people like James Delos and apparently now? You know, I, I, I don't, if there is a term, I don't know if it's been revealed yet. Okay, so just in a nod then to Blade Runner, I'll call him a replicant, right? Because they're replicating. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, for now. That'll they'll, they'll be a placeholder until we get the official terminology. So <clears throat> the only replicant that we have knowingly seen so far has been James Delos. Right. Uh, and we don't know if that experiment was, in fact, a success or failure. The problem is once they become aware of what they are is when they would shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dolores is trying to bring Arnold back. We don't know why she's trying to bring Arnold back. She, I'm guessing, based on her personality and what she's doing, she needs him for something besides just plain old companionship. Maybe she's trying to bring him back to gain access to something. Maybe she's trying to bring him back to fix something she fucks up. Uh, but in some way, she needs him and needs him to be functioning perfectly. So she's doing her own little test that uh, William was doing with James Dallas, right? Which is just reenacting something that she knows from memory, which is the scene that we used to open up at the beginning of the season, which is recreating that conversation from her past. Again, the question is why, and this is this is not going to get an answer. This is meant to tantalize us. Uh, she's obviously awake, and because she's awake, it has to have happened later. Now, whether this happens, this happens after this episode, after she makes it into the Mesa, which will probably happen next week. But will it happen immediately after that? Does this happen in the whatever it is, ten or eleven days later that we started off the season with, when the uh, the ground forces arrived? Or does it happen even further in the future than that? I have no idea. All right, that's interesting. Yeah, you see, it never occurred to me while I was watching it that that it was somewhere in the future. And uh, okay, to, to me, that's the only thing that makes sense. Well, that's what it was. This is the past twenty? Well, not twenty-four hours, but yeah, yeah, actually twenty-four hours. I've been uh, trying to figure it out. It's, it's like I don't get because it doesn't make any sense unless she was always sentient and she was just pretending she wasn't which contradicts everything that we saw in season one and then when you say oh actually it's in the future it's like oh okay now i get it gotcha so that's 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 why i was i was all confused um okay so uh anything further on that um because i think it's just the puzzle piece right because like you guys said why is she trying to bring back Arnold, at least in a certain way? Um, and I guess that's an unanswered question until the I, future. I, I think we'll find out by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to I have to give the showrunners credit because even though they did do a bunch of reshoots last season, uh, they did a pretty good job of uh, tying everything together at the end of the season. Uh, so I have faith that they will do so again. Yeah, and you, you make a good point just with it being a puzzle piece is, you know, if you've ever assembled a jigsaw puzzle, you know, you, you, you start getting pieces that click together, and then you find a piece, and you kind of know it's going somewhere over there, but it's an area you're not working on yet. You, you have a rough idea where it goes, but you, you 
So you just have to put it aside because you can't do anything with it right now. And I think that's kind of where we are with this. We have a piece. We have a feeling it's going to go over there somewhere, but we don't have any connecting tissue. So we've got to put it aside for now and know that we'll, we, we will get to it at some point. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Any further things on that scene, I guess? Nope. I, I think that has yet to be revealed. All right. Very well. Um, okay, so let's, I guess we can uh, start going through the various storylines uh, this week. We have uh, Maves, we have Dolores's, we have Old William, um, and I think... Oh, and, and then we have... Um, Elsie and Bernard. Well, we have that one, too, and then we have Hemsdale. Yes. And, oh, right. Yeah. Yes, I. you know what? I, I was watching... Uh, Hems, Hemsworth, Hemsworth. Right. Mm-hmm. I was watching it, and I saw him step on his screen. Stubbs. Yeah, and I said, oh, look, there's Stubbs, and I was so proud of myself because I actually remembered his character's name this week. <laughs> well, I, I, They were not taken, nice to Stubbs this week. It's taken a year and a half, but I finally recognized his name. Just remember uh, Lee Stubbs from, from uh, L.A. Dodgers. That's all I remember. Um, yeah, and now that everybody can remember his name, he's uh, he's not in a great place. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Basically, he he yells he yells at Charlotte because she had a way to contact Dallas this whole time and didn't. Uh, she knew that they wouldn't help them until they secured Peter Abernathy, which we see happen in this episode. Uh, and he's like, "Damn it! Why didn't you tell me any of this? If you're going to hire a head of security for something, you should at least tell what he's securing." And. Uh, she goes, it doesn't matter what's secure, and I just need to know what's secure. By the way, good luck on your next review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she basically, you were there to secure the park. He wasn't there to secure this top secret shit. So yeah. this is way, way above his pay grade. Oh, God, that was harsh. <laughs> I felt bad for him when she said good luck with your next review. I was just like, oh, yeah, he's probably fired. Yeah, so who's more incompetent, him or Sylvester? Um, I, actually, I don't think either of them are incompetent at all because I don't think uh, they were trained to have the the host become sentient. Yeah. And so, so it's not their fault. Yeah, yeah, but they both suck. <laughs> uh, well, Sylvester obviously they they purposely set up to be someone that you you weren't supposed to like at least last yeah. s- season. Uh, Stubbs, I I don't think. He's set up to be someone you're supposed to hate. Yeah, I, I like Stubbs, but Sylvester's a douchebag. Stubbs is getting kicked around this episode, though. There was also that scene uh, with the commander that arrives. I, I forget yes. his name. Uh, but uh, Coughlin. Coughlin, yeah. Coughlin arrives, and uh, Stubbs introduces himself as Ashley Stubbs and says something about something, and, and Coughlin just yells at him and goes, well, your text better get the goddamn fingers out. I don't know the pros are here now. And oh, yeah. So, like, right. So, so she has one of those, one of his guys. He goes, if you did anything, Ashley? Jesus Christ. Ashley is here to help you. <laughs> clearly, clearly, mom was an Evil Dead fan. Um, so, yeah, it's something just getting kicked around. Yeah. This episode. I, yeah, so that, let's since we're already here. I mean, this is the uh, because this is how it starts after the credits. I'm pretty sure is with them in the control room. You hear gunfire. Charlotte Hale says something like, "What's there left to shoot at this point?" 
she breaks out the box. They bring in to, to call for help and they bring in uh, Peter Abernathy and they crucify him. Right. They put him down on the table and they nail him to. To the it's chair, not exactly crucifixion, but they do nail him to the chair. Yes. Oh, but it's, it is some. It is definitely there symbolically. Okay, you think so, man? Oh, I think so. When you when you put nails in someone's arms and legs to hold them down, uh, I think there's a bit of a symbol symbolic uh, crucifixion going on. Okay, but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, he represents a, a Jesus figure by any means. Well, well we don't know. It depends on what's in his head. Is he? Does he have the? Was what is is the stuff in his head going to deliver anyone? Oh, I see. I was thinking of of the goodness, not not of the supernatural part of. Uh, well, is he going to be? A, is he a savior in some way, shape, or form? Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's, right. So, savior rather than necessarily. Uh, see, when I think of the word Jesus, you're right. He, he is. Savior, but I always think of him as the the man without sin, and and so so it depends on. So when you said crucifixion and a Jesus figure, I was like, I I didn't get that. That's right, because he he can be labeled as multiple things. So all right, the Savior at least. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So <clears throat> that's so because they finally have him under control, uh, and Charlotte Hale does say something later about how don't worry, he's not going anywhere, and that makes me wonder if when she says that he's already gotten up and left because that's usually the kind of thing that sure. that someone says and then the exact opposite ends up happening. <laughs> right. um, oh well, but you know what they can they can do it differently and and if we want to do the the, the Jesus or or a resurrection symbolism anyway, um, yeah. he he could leave his his program could leave that body and just go to another body. So right. he could leave. And, anyway. and to be fair, he already has died and come back now. I mean, I mean, all the hosts have, but he went, he went in the locker, right? He yeah, went yeah. into cold storage. He was decommissioned. Yeah, yeah. So he suffered actual robot death, not just normal host death. Um, and and yet he's back. So you can make that analogy too. Um, and then that's where we cut to later. We see Coughlin come in, and he's very take charge. And I like because he's very blunt and straight to the point. And yeah, he's a bit of a dick to, to Stubbs. Or should we just call him Ashley from this point? Um, but I like, for example, the, the one tech is saying, I don't understand. We've fixed everything. Everything's in the park. Everything's functioning normally. Have you turned off the killer robots? <laughs> right. Because he gets right to the point of the matter. Nobody gives a shit about the weather system. Nobody cares if the train's running on time. Do you still have killer robots running around the park? And that, that's it. So I kind of like him. He's very blunt, very to the point, And clearly he knows something about the tech. Because he you know, talks about how the people running it right now are amateurs, and he wants to get into the system. So I, I like the character from what little we've seen of him so far, and uh, we'll see how he changes. It seems the like game. he would have gotten along with Jim Dellis. Yeah. Well, yeah, it looks true. like he's it looks like he's possibly Scottish too, based off his accent. So. Yep. So um, they get the map working in the big room. In the control center, and just in just time. time to see a blinking red dot, which uh, never is good. Right, and we'll, we'll have to talk about that because that's a, a completely different storyline, and that's the conclusion of, of that storyline for this episode, right? Yep. Um, so before we, we talk about what that blinking 
light is, we have to go through uh, Dolores' storyline, I think. Okay. Um, anything oh, else? Change Teddy. Teddy's mean. She steals the train. Yeah, but I like. Um, let's get there. The, uh, I think Elizabeth Catherine Gray posted a screen cap, and I just shared it with you guys on Skype yeah. of uh, Teddy's stats before sure. and after they played with it. Yeah. And uh, if you have played role-playing games, either pen and paper or computer role-playing games, you might be familiar with the concept of min-maxing. Um, where you figure out who is your character, and then you max out everything in that character's stats and that are necessary just to get the goal accomplished and minimize all the stuff that might actually make them an interesting person. Because mm-hmm. they don't actually go with being a gunslinger or a thief. Or a wizard, whatever it is. Okay, so so you're saying, for example, uh, for folks who aren't familiar with this, like for example, there's the fighter character, right? In Dungeons and Dragons, um, and for a fighter character, you have to have 18, I mean, 16 strength or, or something like that, or 13 strength or higher. And you're saying that when you roll your dice, you give 18, which is the max for quote unquote human characters in that game. 18 strength, and then for intelligence or wisdom or charisma, you give lower ratings. Right, You or in some cases you distribute points, but you just put everything into strength and constitution, and you put nothing into intelligence and wisdom and charisma, because those don't matter if you're a fighter, and they basically make a hulking brute that's a moron. Um, or if you're a wizard, you put everything into intelligence and wisdom, and you put very little into strength. In constitution, it just so, and then same thing with skills. You know, you just max out the combat skills. Forget about anything that has to do with adding flavor, personality to it. So, if you look at Teddy's skills, um, they have maxed out a lot. They've changed first. They they've maxed out a lot of his abilities and almost set almost everything else down to zero. So, for example, he'd been almost maxed out to um, on empathy before, and now he's got a zero empathy. He's got a he's maxed out on cruelty, he's maxed out on self-preservation, he's maxed out on decisiveness, but his patience is at zero. Okay. Which is which seems to be a really bad combination. Sounds like a boss I had once. Yeah. Maxed out on aggression, almost maxed on loyalty, maxed on tenacity, maxed on courage. This is the dangerous one, if you remember uh, when Maeve went through this, maxed out on bulk apperception, which is her general intelligence and awareness. Max okay. out on coordination, which will make him a better gunfighter. And almost everything else is at zero. Now, tenacity, which mean, would mean uh, never give up, right? Right. Now, let me ask you this. So, because of that, and you, you and Elizabeth Catherine Gray um, happened to look at this scene. See, I, I didn't, or, or I, I just glanced over it. I didn't really look at it in detail. Um, it kind of ruins one of my theories I was going to throw out tonight, which is when he goes over to the human tech and just blows his brains out, I thought he did it because he knew that the human was dead anyway. You know, it's one of Dolores' people was going to kill the human anyway, and so he was faking it. And he was going to eventually betray Dolores and, and save people. But you're saying, based off of this, he wasn't faking it at all. He had no empathy, and he just blew the guy's brains out because he has no patience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, okay. His, his loyalty stat is still way up there. Yes. They haven't changed. Loyalty is at 19 out of 20. So they haven't changed that. 
Um, but like his empathy is gone, his meekness was gone. Uh, what was the sensuality? <laughs> Poor Dolores, his sensuality was at uh, was at zero before, and it's still at a zero. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, but he don't know what to do with it. <laughs> right, and his charm was a seven, and it's still stuck there. Um, but, yeah, so his humility was 18, and now it's nothing. Uh, so, yeah, all that other stuff is just Interesting. zeroed out. So now, yeah, so he's, she's, and, and you see the look on her face of, oh, fuck, what have I done? Mm-hmm. At points, because... Can't you know, she just change it not, again? It's not her teddy anymore. It's not her. Not only is it not her Teddy anymore, but she's created something she may not really be able to handle. And Teddy just killed the person who changed it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. But the other tech, so the other tech that was with him, that didn't know how to do it then. Well, there's the one who got shot in the head. That Teddy shot in the head. I think it was the black guy who was on the train. And right. I'm guessing he didn't survive the train entering the station. Right. 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 Okay. Interesting. All right. So, um, even though Teddy's loyal, he doesn't have patience or empathy anymore, and so that may be an issue going right. forward. Gotcha. He has no patience, but he is maxed out on decisiveness. So. Right. So he's decisive. So, Once even if he makes a decision. That is completely megalomaniac, or or not necessarily wise in the long run. He's already he's already has the, made the decision because yes, just, yeah, okay. And he's sticking with it, and his and tenacity is at max too. So, but he's intelligent too. Yes, maxed. Okay. Yes. Right. So he's going to be ruthless and cruel and decisive, and he's not budging on that. So be really so, and I I actually did like because I have said how. Um, I have not particularly been fond of the character that he is very dull and bland and and I've often found that of James Marsden as an actor so I don't know if he was doing Teddy really well or they just found an actor's personality fits Teddy and I do kind of like this Teddy I think he's playing this well I think he he pops a little bit more off the screen he's obviously not a better person right but I think the actor is showing that he that what he was doing with Teddy was very deliberate. Right. I do like that he uh, he's not going over the top with it either. No, no, he's he's very, um, I guess, non-emotional. I yeah. Mean, you know, I mean, he's is like you said, he has no patience because he just pulls out the gun and blows the guy's brains out, and he goes, everything will work out. Um, but he's not like. A megalomaniac, cackling, crazy man, which I, right. I like. Yeah, so I'm, I'm right there with you, Eric. That's a good point. Um, and that, yeah, that is pretty much the the Dolores and Teddy storyline. Now, what is important they, to note: they steal the train. Yeah, uh, they well, for speed, and they uh, head off towards the mesa. And then, as they approach the mesa. Um, Teddy gives the black tech a gun and one bullet and says, this is the last of my mercy. You might want to use this quick <laughs> and gets off the car, locks the, locks the door, gets off the car. And then, uh, they detach the rear car from the rest of the train so that all the hosts are 
on the car that's detached, and the rest of the train is barreling forward, uh, and it becomes apparent uh, at this point. They, uh, I think they actually uh, cut back to the Mesa where they're getting the map active, uh, and when Cocker says, what the hell is that about the blinking red light? Uh, Charlotte's answer is, that's the train. Um, so the train goes barreling into the Mesa at full speed, and there's uh, an impact and, and sounds like an explosion uh, that has an effect on the electricity, which I'm wondering if it may have consequences uh, because of something else we haven't talked about yet. But, uh, yeah, so apparently they're going to invade the Mesa through a uh, breach made by the train. Now, the Mesa, what, what, what is the Mesa? Is that the, the, the control room and all that? The headquarters, yeah. That, yeah. that, right. that uh, geological formation they're on is called a Mesa. Gotcha. Now, yeah, and uh, they have, um, have our, I think it's five-story arcs, right? You have Bernard and Elsie. You have Dolores and Teddy. You have Maeve and uh, Hector. You have uh, Charlotte and Stubbs. And you have the Man in Black, right? Those are our five story arcs. Well, now three of those storylines are converging in the Mesa. Right. So this is clearly they're building to something here as we're heading into the final four episodes. Right, right. Yeah, so the Mesa is the, the, where the pool is at the top of the Mesa. Yeah. yeah, and all that. Okay. Um, now let me ask you this: um, um, the black guy that that gets stuck in the train, um, and it was locked and whatnot. Would you have used that bullet to shoot out the window and use the gun handle to crack the window and just jump out of the train? That's what he should have done. Uh, maybe, maybe he did. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, but we don't know. So, uh, and there were some broken windows on the train, so we know the windows are not shatterproof. Right. right. I mean, it's an amusement park. You do get bullets flying around. Maybe they would put in shatterproof windows. <laughs> but uh, because that's the thing that delivers the guests to the park. That's the only function of the train. So you want to make sure they get there safely and they leave safely. Right. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's – or maybe there's some government regulation that says, you know, all trains must have shatterproof glass now. Um, but, yeah, so clearly that wasn't shatterproof, and yet he did not – he did not jump off. Well, he doesn't seem to get out. We don't know, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not important, basically, because his character is, is probably, it's most likely he didn't jump out, but again, I think that he's off the show, probably. Yeah, well, he was he was a, he was a blazing red shirt. I mean, there's no... Well, and, and right. here's the thing, though, is that he was one of the people that adjusted Teddy, so if Dolores is having second guesses about whether that was the right, right thing to do, that might have been a short-sighted decision to send him off on a train like that. Yeah, because there was no real reason to leave him on the train, to be honest. I mean, they could have just shot him later, you know, mm-hmm. so it didn't it didn't make any sense, actually. Um, I did like how when they do release the caboose or whatever it is and they watch him go away, we see the four folks from Dolores' group or the four main folks standing on the train, and that's Dolores, um, Teddy, uh, Teddy, Clementine, and then it was one, and then the, the Talia Riley's character. I forget her the character's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Angela. and that's Angela. Thank you. Yeah. So, is that all that's left of Dolores's group? Could be. 
Interesting. Yeah, so I don't know what she plans to do. Well, I think they're the significant ones. Uh, she may yeah, have they're, the, they're the ones that talk. <laughs> yeah, they're the ones that, yeah. that they're the ones that have uh, credits uh, on the right. right. So, so all the rest of them are just Dorothy, Dothraki. That right. doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, all right, fair enough. So whether they were on the caboose or not, we don't know, and I guess it doesn't matter because they're not important to the leadership of or, or the main cast. Um, all right, so. That's that storyline. Um, so we have the men in black. We got Bernard, and we got um, Maeve. Well, let's do men in black because that's easy and and short. Yeah, this uh, is one of the story two storylines I didn't like this week. Her, his, it was and, fairly lame. Yeah, yeah, because it there it was like they added something into the story that doesn't really have really much to do with the main story. But let's, let's get into it. We'll, we'll it was basically like, remember the man in black? He's still around. Next. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, why? what's the importance of his daughter's character? We'll find out. It, it doesn't it didn't seem like there's any any importance to it. Except well, humanize him or, or may add some... In other words, she was almost like just a came into the show for two episodes or three episodes just as an exposition moment, and that's it. Well, we'll, well see if she comes back for more, but uh, basically in this episode, she was there to forgive her father. Uh, prior to this, he had revealed that she blamed him for her mother's uh, suicide. And in this episode, she apologizes for saying that and said that she, she shouldn't have put that on his back because uh, it's not true. Uh, and she doesn't want him to, she thinks he's committing suicide uh, by playing out the story that Ford wrote for him in Westworld when everything's going haywire and wants him to go home with her. Uh, and he seems to agree with her uh, before they go to bed, but then in the morning she wakes up and he's gone. And that's so, pretty much the whole storyline for that this week. So why... Was that important for us to have his daughter? We don't know yet. Forgive him, or for us to know that he's not responsible for the suicide. We I might, don't know yet. Yeah, we, we're just getting started with this. I don't think they introduced her to have a scene and then throw her away. Um, my guess is that they they are trying to add something to the character, and. He is on, as she refers to as suicide by robot. He's on, and, and that's what a lot of people have felt since the first season, is that he's on a mission to to get himself killed in the park. Would it, would it have been better, in your opinion, because I think it would have been better, to have just a flashback scene of him and his daughter arguing about, you know, the, no. No. no, because there's I don't think too many, there's too many fucking timelines going on already. Well, there's that, but uh, they could have done that easily because we've seen flashbacks with the character. And they already told us the important part. I think the point is that they're going to, this is an, a story element to change the man in black. That they're going to get him out of the I want to kill myself storyline. So he's not, so by the end of the season or the end of the storyline, he's going to change his mind and not want to commit suicide. Now, maybe that means he doesn't finish Ford's arc. 
whatever the narratives Ford has or set up for him. Or maybe that's the purpose of Ford's arc. Or maybe that is the purpose for Ford's arc. Right. But in some way, shape, or form, because I, if the series is going to go now, a third season, they don't want the Man in Black dying at the end of season two. Now, do they? Probably not. So I think there's that this has got a purpose long-term. It does humanize him a little bit, uh, but it also gives him, hopefully, maybe some second thoughts about what he's doing and why he's doing it. But again, this is, I think, just we need to take care of this part of it, and they've done that, and we'll have to see what the consequences are, are in the next couple of episodes. We will see if she follows him, uh, which I have to imagine she will, because they certainly showed she's competent, that she knows the park well, she knows the park rules well. Uh, so in a lot of this, I think, is... Well, I don't know if that's going to be the case with the Dolores storyline, but a lot of this was a bit of uh, not getting what you wanted necessarily. You know, he got the forgiveness from his daughter, but he doesn't go back with his daughter. We see Maeve gets what she wanted, but didn't really get it um, the way she expected. I think there were a lot of things that happened in a way that was unpredicted this week. So I'm not sure. I'm not trying to reach for see if there's something thematically that fits with it or if they just stuck it here because they needed to fill the time. Right. Hey, one thing, we, we kind of predicted something. What happened with Maeve was going to happen. Um, but we'll discuss that when we get to that. Um, well, I think we're there. Yeah, so so there's the Bernard storyline and the Ma- Maeve storyline. Uh, any, anything else about William's storyline? Uh, the Band and Black storyline, I should say. Not unless um, I miss them. Okay. I did, I did like her telling Daddy that she uh, rode the Pleasure Palace for a couple of days. <laughs> That was kind of funny. His reaction to it was kind of funny, too. Like, oh, God, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, now the Pleasure Palace, what what was that exactly? What is that? Well, we're assuming it's a place where you go to Boink. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because it, it, I don't think it's been introduced is what I mean, right? And and nobody wants to think about their daughter Boinking. Right, well, because she says she went to the Raj, which is the Indian park. Was yep. her favorite as a kid. She loved the elephants, and then she remembered she was now old enough to go visit the pleasure palaces. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the pleasure palaces are some form of, yeah, point right. right. But let's also point out this goes back now that we know she's his daughter. It sets up a contrast because you know she's sort of chastising him, and he you know says she's basically calling him a, a man child. Because he wants to continue playing his video games. Uh, no offense, Phil. But she's when we see her, she's looking for a real relationship. She's looking for a human being. She doesn't just want to boy see three PO. Right. Yeah. You know, no, and that's a fair point. That's a fair point because even though she's at the pleasure palace with hosts. It, you're right. It's not like someone that she's going to take home and get married to. So it's almost like sex toys rather than actual um, blanking. Um, all right, so let's uh, talk about which one next, the Bernard story or the Maeve story? I think we want to end with the Bernard story, so let's go with Maeve. Okay, let's do it. Um, um, well, Phil was right. They skipped the whole battle. Fuck. <laughs> that was a bummer. I wanted to see that battle. Sure. Well, let me ask you this about that whole thing, because this is where I had a problem with with that. Obviously, the battle thing was 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 skipped over, but 
to the chap since they left two of the Japanese the two main Japanese characters are, are going to stay behind what was the enti entire purpose of even having Samurai World at all because it doesn't it was almost just like you said like an excursion episode because it does have nothing really to do at all with the main story of Maeve because even though the power that she gets could have happened in the West world. And well, the extra character they added, the archer, probably the, the least entertaining of all the, the Japanese characters that were introduced is, is just to say, okay, let's just add a new character and we'll have this character. I think the way that Maeve developed her power in Shogun world makes sense in that, uh, when she gained her power, it was after Lee Sizemore told her that she could speak Japanese if she wanted to because it's it's pre-programmed into their base code. And she figured out how to access that. And maybe while she was accessing the part of her code that is uh, for communication, uh, that's when she triggered the other ability. No, that, and that's that's fair. Uh, but you know, we could have had her do that with uh, the Ghost Nation and speak that language, or, or something within Westworld where there's a like like in the Unforgiven, there's a there's a, a French character or whatever. So my thing is here is is that was the whole thing, even though it does add to her story, as you just stated, Eric. Was it just fan service for people who wanted to see Samurai World? Maybe. And I'm one of them, so shut up. What about you, Mike? What's your opinion? <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, when we looked, going back to the first season, and we commented on this, I can't remember the name of the actor who plays Peter Abernathy, but um, oh. he's a, he's a well-known character actor. Yeah, he was in, he was in that, uh, The Last Exorcism. Right. And remarked that we liked him a lot, and it seemed a shame that they that he had this prominent role in the first episode, and then, you know, they shut him down, and you know we're not going to see him again. And yet here he is, you know, back again. They may have plans for these characters and for these other worlds down the road. Remember, they had a five or six season story arc planned, so some of these things are laying seeds that'll pay off later. Right now. Samurai World felt like a little bit of a diversion. Um, it was a way to teach Maeve her new powers, which we'll get to in a second. But I think could easily have come up with something for uh, uh, something happening in Westworld to teach her the same thing. So I it just, yeah, it feels like a diversion. It feels a little bit like fan service because people have been demanding Samurai World or now Shogun World since the first season, since the beginning of the first season, pretty much. Uh, we, they had, um, was it Roman world was the decadent world? So instead they have Raj world. Yeah. Right. You know, that's where you go for your, get your sexual jollies. I will say the repair bill has to be a lot higher in Shogun world because you just have to dig a bullet out in Westworld. They've got to reattach heads and arms. They got all, all sorts of now, massive repairs on there. Right, so I think I think the one thing that that I rolled my eyes was when the 
the two lead Japanese characters said we're going to stay behind. And I, I felt that, yeah, okay, yeah, that, I should have I guessed that was going to happen. In other words, they were almost like the guest stars of the week characters from last mm-hmm. week and, and this week. And I sh- should have... So what's wrong with that, that Phil? Uh, I, I guess it, it, it took me out of the, 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 TV, the show. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't fit like... The other choice is to have an eight-episode season. What is it? Repeat that. I'm sorry. The other choice is to have an eight-episode season because they didn't have enough story to fill out. Yeah, I guess. So, well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's, it's. I don't know. It just felt like the typical regular uh, network television type of uh, special guest of the week. Your and, expectations are way too fucking high. <laughs> I, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, you, you're probably right, Eric. Yeah. Because you want everything to be. Uh, original and different every single moment and that's just impossible to pull off well i, I wouldn't go that far but maybe my expectations are a little higher than than other people's yeah well i don't I think had, i had no problem with the shogun world diversion i thought it was a lot of fun well and i don't think uh there's anything wrong with this character deciding to stay behind um or those characters because again it doesn't mean that we're done with them it shows that the characters do have their own agency. They have their own uh, motivations. And, you know, just like uh, Maeve is driven by her obsession with her, her daughter, so was Akane and uh, the Japanese Hector, whatever his name was, again, his loyalty score is probably really high, specifically tied to Akane. So if she's not mm-hmm. leaving... Neither is he. Musashi. Musashi. There's there's no reason to think that we will never see Shogun World again, and therefore there's no reason to think we won't see these characters again. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy that played Musashi, he's a pretty big um, character actor in both English language films and Japanese films. Um, So, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, again, they, they who knows? They, they probably have um, uh, contracts that says you know we will need you in episode ten or episode two of next season. So I guess that doesn't matter. Uh, also, and, I also just want to mention that I really enjoyed listening to Tandy Newton speak Japanese. Uh, I thought she did a really good job with that. It's making me wonder whether she learned her lines phonetically or whether she actually actually knows some Japanese. Uh, that's a, that's an excellent point, Eric. Because um, she delivered the lines so well. Well, well, well I have to ask. It could even be dubbed too, because you, you never know how how it does how they do it nowadays. But go on, Mike. Well, I have to ask, uh, Eric. Do you speak any Japanese? Uh, Sayonara. Not, not per se. I have been. Hi, hi. That means hi. Are you I'll just say because I'm wondering if there's someone who does speak Japanese going, "Oh my God, she's so terrible. Her well, accent is horrible." Well, the accent, I guess, doesn't matter. Well, we wouldn't. I'm just saying I would never notice. She could be right. speaking great Japanese. She could be speaking pig Japanese. I would have no clue. Well, my point is that whether whatever is the case may be, she sounds fantastic. Okay. I, I, I bought every single second of her speaking Japanese. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that sounds like somebody who does not know Japanese. That was my point. I would like any listeners who speak Japanese, and I mean from Japan, or um, if 
Tandy Newton's version of it was uh, had had an English accent to it. In other words, someone from England, because she's originally from England, um, how they would say it, similar to how Hector has a a Latin, even though he's a Brazilian actor, so he speaks Portuguese, but he's obviously trying to pretend he has a Mexican accent when he speaks English. So I, it would be curious to know if you're right, because if she's a robot that knows how to speak the language because it's built in her code, is, is it specifically to speak just like someone that was born and raised in Japan or not, or if it's someone that is an immigrant to Japan with a foreign accent? And you're right, I suppose they could have overdubbed it, but if they did, they did a really good job with it because there's no discrepancy between the sound and the lip movement. Yeah, one of the advantages they have in doing a series like this um, is it gives the actors, it's only eight episodes, they can plan out when they need the actors, they could film all of Maeve's stuff separately from everybody else's, right, unlike a weekly show that you typically would have in the networks. Uh, so, in other words, they can film all of the Maeve storyline in a couple of weeks, and then they could go film the Man in Black storyline, and then they can go film something else. Where, in, let's say, a traditional TV series like a Law and Order, every actor has to be there every week because they're on every show, right? They don't have they have 22 episodes a year. They don't have time to schedule it that way. But that also would give Dandy Newton time to learn the lines in Japanese, whether it's learning Japanese well, or just learning how to say the lines phonetically. I would like to believe that that's how it's done, Mike, but if I'm not mistaken, based off of what we've read about Game of Thrones, when each director, like, uh, I think his name was Mike Sapochik, or Miguel Sapochik, or however he got the director, um, when he comes in and he's directing Jon Snow in Iceland and then uh, Cersei's in Macedonia and on and on and on, He's directing that one episode, so I think they have to fly. Yes, the they have. They're. I don't think it's sequential. I think they're doing it uh, in chunks. So that one episode is directed by Michael or Miguel Sapochnik. And and you know what I'm saying? It's because you, if you're having ten different directors, I, I can't. I, really, I, I understand stop. what you're saying, Phil. Yeah, yes. yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So. You see what I'm saying, Mike? You yeah, I got gotcha. you. So it, it is a good question. I, w I would love to know how they do it because you're right. The, the smartest way would be, um, every, you know, one director just doing all the Maeve storyline because it's then they could just do it and and on and on. But the, I don't know if they do that. I don't think they do that. So it's a, it's a good question. Um, Elizabeth Catherine Gray may know because I know she reads a lot of the stuff. She wants to let us know. Please let us know. Um, all right, so let's continue talking about Maeve's storyline, right? So um, we haven't even really talked about the story itself. Basically, the the baddie who is... She, she slaughtered all the Japanese people who were mad at her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, the uh, Akane um, cuts Sakura's heart out of her chest, which is gruesome. And then the whole group of them go on a journey to what I can only say. If that wasn't Mount Fuji, it looked an awful lot like Mount Fuji. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be Mount Fuji. Sakura, Sakura's home. Um, so they go back there and then put her to rest by burning her heart. But before she, they do that, 
we have the Hector. Uh, what's his name again? Musabi? Musabi? Musashi. Musasha? Musashi. Have a, a duel. And then he uh, Oh, yeah, you're right. That happened first thing. Sorry. Yeah. And, and that, that was one of the story important lines where Maeve says to Akani that every person has to. She says, Akani says, no, don't let him fight because he's going to probably get killed. And uh, Maeve says, Everybody has a right to choose their own destiny, even if that destiny is death. Unless they get in Maeve's way. Then she just tells them to kill themselves. Right, right. Um, She's and, very and, consistent, that Maeve. Right, right. I mean, I mean the, 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 the story was the typical Hollywood story, because the baddie says, okay, we'll duel. When, because because Murashi, Musashi, Musashi used the time-honored tradition of... Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> if it was a different show, apparently that works in Japan too. Yeah, if it was a, a different show, uh, they would just kill him because uh, I seen that recently. They where someone was trying to say you're a chicken, and oh, you know what it was? It was it was Game of Thrones. It was um, Ramsey Bolton, where Jon Snow asked for a tool. You remember? And he goes, "I'm not going to tool you. You're stupid. I'm gonna, I have a better army. I'm just going to slaughter you." Uh-huh. And, and that's what I thought was going to happen, but they no. The guy said, "Okay, I'll do you." And um, Musashi does win and chops his head off. And what's well, him... first he chops his arm off. Yes. And then he lets he gives him... the guy. Well, 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 hang on. First, first during the duel, he steals the other guy's second sword. Then he uses it to chop off that guy's arm. Then he gives them the sword back so he can use his other hand remaining to commit harikari, and then after he stabs himself, chops the guy's head off. Right, right. And, and that's why um, Ramsey Bolton was an awesome villain, because he wasn't stupid like that guy. Because he, <laughs> that guy was stupid. And, and he, I would say he lost his dignity, because even after he's Harry carries, he gets yeah. his head chopped off. Right, yep. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, the, the, the seppuku, uh, the, the decapitation. Seppuku, is that a Japanese word for decapitation? No, actually that's the ritual where you stab yourself in the, the belly. Uh, and then some, and your, your second cut your head off. Um, apparently it's, uh, kaishaku is, I'm just looking at this now. Um, I thought it was all Harry Carey, like Eric said. No, I'm not sure exactly where this ties in with, with Harry Carey. But the cutting of the head if I, from something I read a long time ago was basically uh, a way to sort of preserve face, that you cut off the head before you know, the expression of pain and fear of, of death can, can, can be shown. Mm. Interesting. Uh, it still seems pretty undignified. <laughs> but, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, well, all death is undignified. We all poop ourselves. Yeah, so Harry Carey and Seppuku, okay, so it's the same thing. It's, uh, All right, so it's semantically the same thing. Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what the difference is. It doesn't matter. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Neither term is actually used in in the show. We, we're just using the term because right. that's what it's. Yeah. Um, that guy's all sorts of dead. Yeah, he's all sorts of dead. So after they burn the heart, which is uh, basically the ceremony of death or whatever of. Um, Akane. Akane's daughter or, or Clementine version or whatever it was. Uh, Akane 
and Musashi say they're not leaving, and Maeve was surprised, and they say, well, we have to choose our own def- destiny, even if it's death, because what Maeve suggests is that people are, are going to be looking for them, maybe other hosts, uh, specifically the ones that... Um, Loyal to the Shogun. Exactly, the Shogun warrior. Um, but, what's-her-face... Uh, the, the dragon. The, the dragon, yeah, she's going to go with them for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's a that, little weird. I don't quite, I'm not quite on board with that. That's, yeah, that's, uh, other than them looking deeply into each other's eyes for <laughs> hours on end last episode, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping, because it feels weird, I'm hoping she's not just a red shirt, that they will do something with her character. Okay. Uh, and... and you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't know what they have planned for her. I just hope they have that something, right? right? Because otherwise, why not just leave her behind? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because now is she going to be part of the the permanent cast, or like you said, Mike, someone to introduce to make us know? So because they, in other words, they, a lot of times what they do, I've noticed in a lot of shows or, or movies, is they introduce an extra character and keep them around for a little bit. Because, and then they kill them off because they need to kill someone off, but they don't want to kill off, you know, Sylvester or or Maeve or someone else. So they add a new character, and then they just kill that character off. And you may be right. Who knows? We'll find out. Um, we just, we'll, we'll see. Because, uh, well, let's get into the, this next part, right? Because they go... They find a way back into the tunnels. Yeah, Lee. Lee, Lee knows, knows this. And he gets them back into the tunnels. And they all get cleaned up and changed back into their Western clothes. And then Lee actually uh, proves useful for a change and takes them right to the exit that uh, is in the prairies where Maeve's old storyline was. Right. It's like a warp pipe in Mario. Ah, right? That's right, yeah. Now, let's, let's talk about this. This is when Lee and Maeve kind of seem like they're buddies now. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far because she's pretty dismissive of, of him. Uh, but then realizes she beat him bitch and says thank you. Right, right. Yeah, she she gives him some modicum of respect for what he did. Uh, there's a relationship building there. I'm pretty sure that Lee's going to fuck it up. Oh, yeah. Pretty sure he did before the end of the episode. But, uh, yeah, so th- they're in the prairie, and she tells everybody to wait because she needs to go retrieve her daughter. And she goes down to the house and sees her daughter, and starts talking to her. Of course, her daughter doesn't recognize her as she's been wiped and reprogrammed. Uh, And then the new mother for that storyline shows up. And Maeve is a little bummed, unhappy about that situation. Uh, But then Ghost Nation shows up to kill them all. and Or do they? Well, that's that's a good question too. Uh, that, at least that's how the storyline originally went. But uh, so Maeve grabs her daughter and takes off through the fields, and uh, uh, but leaves the the new uh, the mother behind, right? And meanwhile, Hector and Dragon Lady and Armistice, Armistice, yeah, uh, all come down to try and help, um, leaving Felix and Sylvester and Lee standing uh, on top of the hill watching everything and 
uh, Lee pulls out the communicator, the radio that he grabbed last episode in Shogun World, and Felix says, what are you doing? He says, I'm calling for help. Um, And Felix basically says, you're an asshole, and takes off to go help Maeve. Uh, And I I really like this moment of development for Felix's character, because clearly uh, Felix and I would get along because he welcomes our robot overlords. Uh, he is trying to help out. I, I love so Vesta's uh, expression because he's like he doesn't say a word. He's just like I just want to. I just don't want to get killed. Right, right. So <laughs> Sylvester and Lee are are hanging out uh, by the tunnel exit, uh, wait, waiting for reinforcements to arrive. Right now. Um, Honestly, I can understand Lee doing this because, I mean, the point is is to get the fuck off this island or wherever the hell they are and just get back to right, right. Boston, New York, or Chicago or wherever the hell he's from. Uh, actually, he's probably from London. Just because who, Any who of those places have less killer robots. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's laws in these other places. So he wants to get the hell out of there. And, and you can't blame him. I, I just can't yeah. blame him. No, I, I, I don't either. But I like that Felix is more concerned with right. Maeve's situation than getting out of there. Right, right. That makes me like Felix. Right. Unless unless Felix has already assumed that there ain't any help coming, we're fucked because he saw it. Well, that could be too. It earlier, so I'm thinking that it could be that too. But you're right. I think he does actually have some concern or, or feelings for uh, Maeve or Maeve or anyway. So, yeah. Yep. So, uh, and then Maeve falls down, and some one of the Ghost Nation comes up to her and says uh, something along. I can't remember the exact quote, but something along the lines of "Come with us; our path leads to the same place." Right. So the Ghost Nation guy that rides up on Maeve and her daughter doesn't really seem to be intent on harming them. Right. But. But she basically tells him to go to hell, and that's when uh, Armistice and the gang come riding down. Right, because Maeve, all she remembers from her uh, pointers and arrays is that um, Ghost Nation slotted her and her daughter many times yes. in the past. Um, so what do you think Ghost Nation meant? I mean, I know some people have been saying uh, on other podcasts that I know you listen to Eric, too is that the ghost nation is actually trying to save people and maybe even save sentient robots as well. I, I don't know, but there's definitely something up with ghost nation because they're not, they're not killing ghost anybody. nation like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. All right. Um, and yeah, so there's a big cliffhanger here, uh, because that's pretty much, the end of it, it's like, what the hell's going to happen? Um, but uh, what, what's your thoughts on this, Mike? Because you've been fairly quiet. I, I think you said that um, said before that you have three storylines converging. I think the other two storylines are Maeve and the Man in Black. I think these two are converging because they both seem to be featuring uh, Ghost Nation to some degree. Right. We saw uh, earlier on that uh Maeve killed one of the Ghost Nations, saying, you don't all get to go to the Valley Beyond. Right. So 
I don't know if it was that specific Ghost Nation host. Was it Maeve that said that? Mike oh, Maeve. Yeah, 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 you said Maeve. You meant Dolores. Yeah, I yeah. meant Dolores. Yeah. Uh, they all look alike to me. <laughs> um, those hosts. All hosts look the same. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I don't know if it's because that was a Ghost Nation host that she said that or if there was something specific about that Ghost because we don't know what it means to go to the Great Beyond, the Valley Beyond, rather. We don't know who gets to go, who doesn't get to go. And we also have that variable of them saying that some of the hosts didn't have a uh, didn't have any programming or wiped clean. Yeah, so there's all thing I have no idea if any of that will tie in with Ghost Nation or not. But I have a feeling since the Ghost Nation is figuring prominently now into two storylines, that in some way those are probably going to come together. Would be my guess. Right. I don't know how. Um, I do think there's two things I had an issue with in this storyline. One is when they first arrive at the Japanese village. I'm going I'm to guess it's some projection or something of Mount Fiji, Fuji rather, yeah. right? Because they, they can't like really see that much open space. So <laughs> right, yeah, there's and, a really big fucking island. Yeah, it would be a little too expensive to create a Mount Fuji replica too. I would think. Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing there's like a it's just like a, a dome like in uh, through the Truman Show or something. Right. Uh, or what's the other one? Man? I had the same. Hundred games. Yeah. Hundred games or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, but the problem is that there were two times in this episode that the hosts leave the three humans all on their own, uh, and that was when they first arrive at the village uh, in uh, Shogun, Shogun World. World. And they go find the exit, and then apparently let the robots know where the exit is, <laughs> and to follow them, as opposed to trying to run away. Yeah, that's a good question, Mike. Yeah, good point. Um, or and why he didn't make the phone call there? Maybe he wanted to get back to Westworld before he made the phone call. So I can kind of excuse that. Um, but then of course they they leave them alone to go run down and help me. That at least was a little bit more understandable because that was a uh, sort of fight-or-flight scenario, right? And Right, and, and, the loyal, and the loyalty factor. And the loyalty factor and all the rest. Yeah. And they weren't thinking about what these guys are going to do. And, you know, besides they're in a known territory, it would be probably a lot easier to catch them there than it would be if they jumped into the uh, into the underbelly of Shogun World and just ran away. Or had sealed the door behind them because then they would have no idea where the escape patch was. Right. right. So I've had a little problem. The other problem I had is why didn't Maeve use her superpowers on Ghost Nation? Right. Or well, at least there at was, least, there was they uh, showed before it. when they encountered Ghost Nation where her command didn't work, right? Yeah, but that was prior to her having the power. That was her just doing her. Uh, wasn't that her just doing the sent make someone sentient? So you think that was the language barrier again? Well, I, I would guess it would. That would be my first guess, right? Is that we know that the language right. barrier didn't work, and if they want to make them immune, that's I don't have a problem with it because they're showing the ghost nations a little different. But then, at the very least, show her try to do it and fail. That's what that's what I was hoping they would do, Mike. Yeah, uh -huh. show her try and then fail, and then it would answer a question like, "Oh, okay, ghost nation." is immune or it doesn't work in Westworld. It only worked in Shogun World or something. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just curious if they have an answer to that or what the argument would be. And again, I really wish they would do commentaries on these things. 
Yeah, right, right. And and the new discs when they come out, they they probably won't. You're right, Mike. Um, also, it'll be curious to see if she has the power to convince the girl that she's the mother, quote unquote, mother, um, or not. And it'll also be curious to see what happens to the Neve replacement mother mm-hmm. as well. Um, and now, in this episode, I think was interesting was is that all the stories were in it. Unlike in prior episodes recently where they've only focused on two storylines or something. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting, too. Uh, anything else we want to talk about with the Maeve storyline? Yeah, I have a feeling the kid is done. Uh, that we're not going to be seeing the kid for very long. What, what kid? Uh, Maeve's daughter. What do you mean she's done? Well, <clears throat> I don't. I can't imagine she's going to be a big factor in the storyline going forward for the simple fact that she's a kid in a TV series that seems to be taking a couple of days to play out over the course of a season. Right. And with four more years left, she's going to be going through puberty before this is over with. Right. I, I just remember that the kid that played uh, in Lost. Do you remember the, the black kid in Lost? Right, that they just conveniently wrote out after two seasons, or Carl, who uh, in Walking yeah. Dead, yeah. who you know grew eight years and about three years of story time. Yeah, uh, yeah, because both of those actors, the one that played Carl and, and the one that played the black kid, I think the kid's the character's name, um, they aged wicked quick to the point yeah, that they didn't, uh, didn't even... Yeah, <laughs> Joanna Robinson has gone on a couple of uh, tangents about uh, just how problematic robot children are. Yeah, yeah, Mike just brought that point because, up. Because of, that, because of that reason, yeah. Yeah, so you're absolutely right, Mike. I wonder what they're going to do. Right, and since they have it planned out, Maybe she'll be for another episode or two, but she's Maeve's either going to leave her with her mother. Right, oh, the idea of, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, because of yeah. a sacrifice, or the child will be officially killed off, and then, or right. so, or maybe Maeve's whole storyline comes to an end somehow. That's possible too. Yeah, you never know. Well, they do show uh, on the next time a really gut wrenching scream from Maeve, so maybe that's the end of her daughter that she's witnessing. Uh, or maybe they kill off Sylvester. <laughs> I don't think she would react that way. Poor Sylvester. Ah, fuck Sylvester. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be weird. You know, like you know, he's getting his paycheck. You know, God bless him. But oh, you play the asshole. You know? Well, that's what I was thinking too. He's sitting at he's at dinner in Hollywood, and someone punches him in the face just because I hate you. And he's like, dude, it's just a character. I'm not that way. It's like the yeah. guy that played uh, Joffrey on Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. He could, he could but at least public for a while. But, but at least Joffrey was a cool villain. This guy's just a douche. <laughs> well, he's not even right. a villain. He's, he's just right. He's, yeah. Yeah. he's, just, yeah. he's just the he's, guy in the office nobody likes. Yeah, right, bringing ass. You know, one of those guys. Yeah. I, li- I like his character. That's kind of funny. He's, he's humorous. Well, because he works well with Felix. You have they they they, they make a good odd couple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but to be Felix and Sylvester. But to be honest, I've I've been expecting Sylvester to be killed off the last six episodes because I thought he was going to be the red shirt of this group. But. I kind of like seeing him get kicked around. <laughs> It's like when they showed up and he was sitting there with a grenade held under his chin. I really liked that. I thought that was amusing. It was amusing. I wonder if he'll have his his moment of glory at some point. But we'll I have. hope not. Well, I hope there's well there, there, there could do one or two things. Either just continue to abuse him and then have him go out and a wonderfully embarrassing and ridiculous death, 
or have some sort of a, a, a great moment for him, uh, whether he survives or not, you know, and, and one of the two. But mm-hmm. I would be just as happy for him to get a grenade up the bum. Um, all right, so if there's nothing more with Maeve's story, I guess we, we can do the last one, right? Bernard and Elsie. That's right. Well, and I found a couple points of the storyline problematic, but I'll, I'll hit on them as I, as I go through it. It starts off with them on the railroad tracks, right? Yeah. Walking yes. towards the tunnel. Yeah. And they're talking about what they're going to do, and... Bernard makes a comment that if anybody can get this place back up and running through shield willpower, it's Elsie. So the two of them go and find another uh, entrance to some place that has a console, and Elsie starts checking things out and discovers that QA's been trying to regain control and keeps on getting foiled by the cradle and here's the thing this whole concept of the cradle i i felt it was problematic to introduce it as this a late, this as late. an important part of this storyline like just in the middle of a sentence like this uh she also starts talking about the cradle like we should know what the fuck it is and we don't uh and, and that rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. I was like, well, they should have set this up better. They should have um, set it up in season one forward. And, and eventually we, we, we figure out, at least I figured out upon the second watch today, why they call it the cradle. It's because the door leading to that section, uh, has the number on it. Um, CR four dash DL cradle. Well, the question is, is that the reason why it's called the cradle, or is that the reason they gave it that designation? Well, yeah, chicken and the egg. Um, but I, well, guess, I, I, I think, Eric, you're right, but I'm sure there's some sort of symbolism in the whole thing, too. Well, and, and, and that's my problem with this whole thing, is, is that uh, I guess through exposition we find out that the cradle is where the, the, the consciousness of every host resides, I don't know what that means. They didn't. They didn't clarify it enough. No. I, I don't know if it's every single one, including the ones that are currently in operation, or only the ones that are offline. Yeah. If you if you go on HBO Go or HBO Now, the day after. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. The day after the show, they've been they've been putting like behind the scenes featurettes. Uh huh. That's never there when I watched the show the first time. Uh huh. And so I watched the one today, and they talk about the cradle. And they point out that this is a, this is the backup system that they put all the this work and money and effort uh, into creating Dolores and Teddy and you know so on and so forth uh-huh. and this is where their backup programs are stored. Mm-hmm. So if you need to, I don't know, restore Teddy to his defaults or what have you, there is a backup Teddy in there, and we see Teddy in the simulation. And they right. do mention, as I, and this was an episode that had a lot in it, and I had to rewatch it to kind of unpack it all. Um, so there's a lot of stuff when they're talking about the cradle I didn't catch the first time because I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Right. Um, well, see, that's my that's my problem with it is that you shouldn't have to work this hard to follow along. No, I you get that. Set this up better. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll I will absolutely agree with that. And so apparently the cradle 
runs, and they say that the cradle can run the, the, the park, uh, park scenarios. When they're talking, when uh, he's talking with uh, Elsie. Uh-huh. So that's why he get when he gets downloaded or uploaded, sorry, into the cradle, he finds himself in Sweetwater, walking through your generic mm-hmm. Sweetwater opening that we have revisited time and time again. But what, what I don't understand is if cradle is the backup system, uh, then how is it interfering with attempts to restore order in the park? Well, that's what they don't understand yet either. Okay. Right. That's so not just had, me. That's why they had to go there, is that they could figure out there's somebody interfering with it. And, of course, you get in there and they find that they, it was nice to see, first of all, the dog was nice foreshadowing by about 10 seconds. Right, right. right? As the dog from the first season, which, of course, walks into... Well, hang on, the, hang on. Let's yeah. explain how, how he got there first. Yes. Uh, which is that... Elsie and Bernard are trying to figure out what the hell's going on, and they see that that something in the cradle has been uh, defeating all the hacking attempts by the QA team. But they can't see the code that's doing it. Uh, So they go to the cradle itself physically, and they still can't see it, and, and Bernard is like, well, fuck this. Put me in. And Elsie's like... Well, I don't know if that's such a good idea. She's like, this is the this this thing was designed for older models. Uh, your your head's basically like mine, uh, and and even if we did, like I haven't I haven't lowered your pain yet. And Bernard's like, well, pain is just a program, and basically they this device cuts Bernard's head open, uh, and extracts his little. Uh, egg on the inside. Not even the whole egg, but actually just the ball that has his consciousness in it. Uh, and puts it into a vice that then uh, uploads him to the cradle. And that's when he starts walking around in sweet water. So, now we're, now we're to the point where he's walking around in sweet water. Uh, well, he, he actually, he started on the train, and the train arrived in sweet water. And he walks down the street and sees people we know, like Teddy and Dolores, and that also sees the dog that was uh, from the storyline of the host that Ford built uh, that represented his family when he was young. And then he walks into the bar and finds Ford playing the piano. And he says, hello, old friend. And that's the end of the episode. So, so this is all um, a virtual program, I guess, right? I, I guess, I guess. So, so, so my guess as to what's going on here is that before he put everything in motion with the gala, where everybody got slaughtered, including himself, he found a way to upload his consciousness to the cradle, and perhaps. I'm, I'm thinking that um, the problems they've been having with human consciousness and host bodies might just be because of the host body. And perhaps if you're, you're strictly in 
uh, simulated environment and don't have to deal with the fact that you're you're in a fake body, that problem gets circumvented. So Ford can reside in the cradle without the ill effects that we've seen when they try and put human consciousness into a host. So that's my theory for now. So why... My, my, you know what? This was reminds me of Eric. It reminds me of that Daniel Suarez book again, a Demon. Right, right. Because even though the character in that movie, in that book, lives on after death, and that's not spoiling the book because he, he's dead before the book even starts. Um, here, it's similar, but again, it's all per- computer programs, right? I, I mean, right, we're not getting into this again. Well, that, yeah, all right, fair enough. Well, because that's the thing. It's, it's like, is is he really alive, Ford? Are or, you really alive? Or, or well, that's the thing, like, with the Matrix and all these other things. Right, yeah, that's a fair point. But, or is he a program that's supposed to do what Ford wants to do, and does he... If you can't tell the difference, does it matter? Well... It's it's not Ford though. <laughs> it's Ford's. Well, again, but this is the whole Philip K. Dick thing. That what is it that makes you you? Are you your 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 memories and your experiences? Are you your body? Are you your soul? Do you have a soul? What is what is it the combination of them? What is it that makes you who you are? And that's that's basically asking what what is the the, the fundamental nature of humanity? And these are essential questions. And for the purposes of the show, it's asking those questions. It is not going to give any easy answers. But they have continually used that line, which is, if you can't tell, does it matter? And for all intents and purposes, this is Ford or a representation of Ford that will do what Ford wants. Uh, And you have to just at some point accept what the show is presenting to you. Um, you know, just as if, you know, you may be, if somebody's an atheist, uh, but you're going to watch a, sh- a film like The Prophecy that posits that there's God and angels, they can't say, I can't watch this because I don't believe in, in angels, that you just kind of got to roll with it and accept the premise of the storyline. And so the, there is right. a premise to the storyline that you can get sentient programs, or you can get sentient machines. So we will see exactly how they decide to tackle the issue, but there is some representation of Ford as the ghost in the machine, so to speak. Um, and he's at the player piano, which, of course, is fitting because the piano has been symbolic from the very beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it really, I guess, all in all, it doesn't really matter because whether it's the human Ford that we saw in season one or a virtual version of him, he's essentially going to be playing the same um, character arc, I would assume. Right. Uh, Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Ford, meaning actor Anthony Hopkins, is now back on the show? Well, that was him. And that would, yeah, it would would seem to be. Yeah, because I wasn't sure if that was just, like, trick photography or whatever similar to you know earlier when we saw the young Ford and through the reflection of the glass but then again you're probably right because we did see um, 
as we uh, saw in the coming next, um, the actual Anthony Hopkins in that episode. So what I think we all discussed last season, or which, uh, you know, two years ago when we did the podcast, was will they bring Ford back as a host or as a or something? And it appears they're going to, and they have. Well, I, I need to understand more about... Because, uh, okay, theoretically, what we've been presented within the show here is that Delos has figured out how to digitize human consciousness and uploaded it into a host body. So, given that we know that much, it definitely seems that this would be a digitized form of Ford's consciousness. What right. the, the part of the process I'm not quite clear on is... Are all the digitized human consciousnesses, is that the correct plural? It works for me. All right. Uh, I don't think I've ever had to use that before. Anyway, are they all stored in Cradle along with the host consciousnesses? <laughs> well, the question is how many human consciousnesses are there? Because we know now probably Ford. Uh-huh. Jim Delos. Probably, probably Arnold, uh huh, and James Delos. So that's three, right? Um, we know one of them is in the cradle. We know that two. Of, James, well, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. which is Ford. We uh-huh. know that James Delos had to be had to have a backup somewhere because they kept killing him off. Exactly. So by the way, so even though this is the first time we're seeing the cradle, when you think about it, they've sort of been hinting that there have been backups out there. So maybe James Delos is in there somewhere. Uh huh. Uh, or maybe they have a separate server for their people, or maybe those are the only three people they've done because James Delos was always the the prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do wonder if Ford is the exception because he's Ford, where Delos didn't necessarily understand everything that was going on because he lacked the, the he didn't develop it right. He didn't where he right, just knew right. And he was fine with it as long as he didn't find out he was he was a robot. Then once he found out he was a robot, he rejected it. Um, I wonder well, if there would be something well, 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 to Ford's personality that he already knows. Well, what's going I don't on. even think it's that, Mike. I think, as we've seen all along, Ford has been doing his own experiments and his own programming. So he probably and has developed where he's fine. In other words, right. he's already developed fully. So what happened was his last season when he kills himself off, he, the only reason he had it go happen then was because he was satisfied that he was he his virtual version would would survive and could go into a host and and not be just i guess a problem as it, we've seen with Delos or my theory at the moment is that he has no plans to end up in a body uh he's cool hanging out in the cradle and fucking with Westworld Right. So this this uh, is another thing too that is interesting is is that are the cradle just programs or are they souls? Well, yeah, that that that's an interesting question and obviously the the ones that they've developed from scratch for the hosts are just programs, but if they if they have the ability to digitize a consciousness is 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 that a soul? 
nobody knows what a soul is. You can't point to your soul. Uh, so who who knows? And would it live on forever, or could they do one of those those bombs in the atmosphere and then literally wipe out all computers and would they all die? Or, That's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. You know, so so maybe they maybe the show is going going in a different direction where it's even more, they're going to go to the supernatural because someone mentioned that to me. I forget who the hell's mentioned that to me. I was talking. Oh, about. so you think it might be a literal ghost in the machine? No, I hope not. Me well, too. that's what. Yeah, I'm thinking that exactly. It originally starts out as a ghost in the machine or digitized souls or people, but then they're going to go into the supernatural where they actually become some sort of entity, and similar to what we saw in Interstellar, maybe. Mm. You know, in that movie. Yeah, I hope not. That because there's absolutely nothing that they've done in this show to foreshadow anything outside of semi-hard science fiction, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it reminded, actually the whole thing reminds me, there was a short story that came out 25 years ago or so called Think Like a Dinosaur. Uh, that was an award-winning uh, science fiction short story. And it was uh, set in a time where humans had formed an alliance with this alien race that were nicknamed dinosaurs because they were like lizard people. And the, the dinosaurs had given humans... Uh, teleportation technology, like the transporters in Star Trek. And of course, the idea that the transporters work by disassembling you here and reassembling you there, mm -hmm. right? And something goes wrong, and the person who's supposed to transport is reassembled there, but he's never disassembled here. And right. so they're now two of that person. Mm. And the dinosaurs... That you know decide decide they have to kill the original version because you can't have two of them running around, right? It's the whole idea of uh, you know if you you you're killing the person to make materialize another copy. Right. So Jeff Goldblum in The Fly, he is torn apart and destroyed, and then reassembled in the other telepod. Right. Yeah, that's with, that's with, the way transporters work in Star Trek too. Right. So didn't that Seth Brundle in the first telepod die, and you just created a brand new Seth Brundle? Does the soul somehow travel with the electrons and protons and neutrons? Right, or Mike, or, or when uh, when you're reassembled, or, or there is a second assembly in the, in the case of this story that you made where there's two people. Right. Are they just clones? And not just clones as we think of clones, meaning... You know, you know, you take a, a cell and it turns into the exact same you, but you have different experiences because you're still a different body. Therefore, you, you're a clone physically and your brain's a clone, but your experiences are completely different. Therefore, you're not the same person. Here, is it the cl your body's clone, but also your experiences and mind and all the things that are in your brain are cloned along with it? Mm -hmm. Right, but again, if, well... See, the thing is, you can ask the question, if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? And sure, it doesn't matter if, you know, Dr. McCoy beams from the planet up to the Enterprise and to everybody else, he's identical. It sure as hell matters to the Dr. McCoy that got disassembled down on the planet. Exactly, exactly. Which is why he won't go in the fucking transporter. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, does McCoy not go in the transporter? He doesn't, yeah, he, like, does, he, does, he doesn't like the transporter. Right, because of that he reason. knows how it works. Yeah, right, right. 
Right. Yeah. So, and that's a fair point, Mike, because yeah, for for me or you, it wouldn't matter because it's still Eric or Seth Brundle or McCoy, but to Seth Brundle, it's it's yeah, it does matter because you're right. Is he a different person now? Or right. Punk? And and so in this case, it doesn't much matter to Bernard if this is Ford, that that this is a fake Ford. Right. Right. The the real Ford is dead. He got a bolt in the back of his brain, unless they reveal that was a, a host duplicate. Right. Which, by the way, is something they do hint at. Mm, um, I don't buy it. No, no, no. I'm saying they, they, they did hint at the possibility, because the man in black at first thinks his daughter was a host. Oh, when? What? I don't, did he yeah. catch that? No, I didn't catch that. Yeah, when, no. when, she, when the daughter rides up to him and says, oh, so you're finally going to acknowledge me, as he turns to him and says, you know, is this really, is, are you this twisted for, are you this sick, that you're going to, you know, make uh, my daughter into a host and use her against me? I, I don't understand what that has to do with Ford dying. In other words, so they have him, they show that they recognize the idea that they can take a real person and make a host out of a real person. Which right. actually, and, I guess they've already done that with, with Bernard, right? Right, and, well, and, right. They, and, they've, and they've also kind of alluded to that all along, right? Because that's, they're, they're taking people's, in other words, when you go to the park, they're, they're, they're not just letting you have fun and making money off you. They're actually doing, you know, they, they take your DNA, they take mm -hmm. your, you know, all that right. shit. So, so they're doing that anyway. So, well, I'm just saying, so it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility if they want to go there. I don't think they do. But if they want to go there, they could say that it was a, a fake four that got shot in the back of the head. But if that was the case, then I don't think they'd go through all this trouble of having a virtual Ford. Right. Be the reveal here, because now you would have dead Ford, virtual Ford, mm -hmm. and living Ford running around somewhere. Right. I think it's much more likely that this virtual Ford, if they want a physical Ford, will just end up downloaded into a body at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. Or he may just stay there playing the piano for the rest of his days. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean obviously he's he's the ghost in the machine preventing uh tax from able to do stuff. Um but right, is is he just doing yeah, what, what yeah, who knows what his final point is. Obviously that's something we're gonna figure out. Um and and the question is is are all these entities in the cradle that we see like Dolores and uh, Teddy and Hector or whoever else are uh, Clementine and whatnot are they just copies? I mean digital copies of they're, each of them. They're the they're the fresh version of that that gets uploaded into the ho the host each time they wipe the memory. Okay. All right. At and least so, that's that's my understanding. So right, far. right, right. Since they didn't take the time to explain the fucking cradle to us. Right, right, right. And well, and it shows you also that they they've screwed up completely because you know how you said pointers and arrays and mm -hmm. stuff is still there even when you wipe them clean. They could just. They don't. That's the thing. They wipe them clean rather than you reuse brand new discs each time. If they used brand new uh, storage units each time, then they would never have a, a problem of the host ever awakening. But I think that was probably intentional because well, and, Ford wanted them to to keep those right. arrays in and, place. And don't forget about the reveries from last season. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what started yeah. the whole ball rolling. 
Right, right, yeah, exactly. Which are technically is, is reconnecting a few of those pointers and arrays, as it seems. Right, right, yeah, and it was Ford's entire plan that all along he didn't want new storage units; he wanted the old ones there, so he could do that. And plus, of course, he was probably Wi-Fiing new things into each host anyway that he wanted, you know. And then when everything went haywire, um. You know, that was part of the plan, I think, by mm-hmm. now. So, so yeah. So, yeah, so Ford is back, in at least his character in some form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder how they're going to play it out now, because, I mean, are they going to go back and forth between... So is there now going to be a new storyline going on where they're going to go back and forth between the real world, the past, well, the present, the future, and then now also the virtual Here's the other thing I wanted to mention is that while Bernard is in the cradle is when the train rams into the Mesa and we see Elsie react to that and go, what the fuck is going on? And the power starts to flicker. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if the train impact affecting the power is going to somehow affect that system so that maybe Elsie can't get Bernard back out. Right. right yeah. um, or something along those lines. I, I think that that might throw a monkey wrench into uh, Elsie and Bernard's plans. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So does, does the cradle have a, a, a generator? I would assume so. It seems like a really fucking important part of the park, even though they've never mentioned it before. I would agree. Oh, it's a backup. I don't know why they would. (laughs) Well, I I see what Eric means, though, because, you know, they've shown examples in the past where people have been reset, right? Dolores was reset like 20 times the last season. And at least one of those resets, they could have mentioned the cradle. But maybe I think that was a new thing they just wrote into the story for season two because they didn't know about it yet. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to the concept of the cradle. I just wish they would have, you know, I don't know, maybe mentioned it a couple episodes ago. (laughs) Right, right. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's similar to all the the prequels, right? They introduce a character, you know, like uh, uh, Jaja Binks, and then he's never been in any of the, the first three, and you, you always wonder why. Because he's because, horrible. But no, but my point is, is that the, the character is never introduced in the original three because obviously he wasn't even thought of yet, even though they, they put him in a prequel. And so here, I think it's the same thing. It's like the cradle was a cool idea. Yeah, this explains everything that we were talking about. But of course, season one's already over, so they, they can't react it back. Um, and whatnot, so yeah. Um, all right, so any thought more thoughts about this? Bernard, no, that's all I this week. what about you, Mike? Any thought, any further thoughts on the Bernard storyline? No, uh, I, I am still hoping we find out at some point why uh, he made uh, uh, Elsie his, his cave slave instead of just killing her like he was supposed to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you have that whole again that those convenient plot points we made last week. I, I don't know if he was supposed to. Yeah, and so I'm hoping that they address those 
convenient plot points at some point in the future. But I'm willing to be patient on that. I didn't need to get that resolved this week. But hey, we did get the radio used this week. We didn't have to wait until season four. <laughs> right? What do you mean the radio? Uh, Lee, Lee with the radio. Four, this radio from the dead tech. Oh, oh, right, right. That's good. Remember, point. I uh, said last week we know that yes, they were going to use yes. that. It would. He would use it when it says previously on Westworld, and they'd show him taking the radio. Right. Um, and so, like I said, I didn't really watch the previous on. Did they show him you picking it up in that one? I don't remember. It was just a whole lot of images. They didn't really uh, yeah. emphasize on any, on like uh, just a couple of scenes. Right. I'm still curious why Elsie turns her back on Bernard. I mean, if he, you would think that she would think that he could snap any moment again. I, no, they dealt with that last time we saw them. I know, but I, I still think any smart person would never it's turn been resolved. Back. Move on. Well, okay, uh, so Phil, you're you're with a crazy robot who's probably faster than you are and stronger than you are and smarter than you are, and you can either play nice with it or try to run away from it. Which is the one that's least likely to get you killed? Well. The moment she gets the gun, I think I would have just blown him away, to be honest. No, because, you know, because, yeah, if you're like you said, he's smarter than you and stronger than you, and he's apt to lock you in chains and, and feed you power bars. I, I think, you know what? Could be worse. I, I, I'm just going to blow his brains out. Cause I, I, I mean, obviously, for convenience of the story, they, they can't do that. But, I mean, I think if it was real, real, I think you, you probably would, would want to take him out. Because I don't know. She's worked with him for a long time. Yeah, They're pretty good friends. That, well, it's, think of this. Think, think of uh, a woman that has worked with a guy for ten years, and then he gets she gets raped by him. So, you, you ever think she's going to trust that person again? I don't think so. If you're if you had a neighbor that you liked, and then you find out that he, he, stole, he stole all your your equipment, and well, your was he a machine? Because then you get programming, which fucks everything up. I, I, I see, but I think you understand my point. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I know it's convenient. Yeah, and they're overlooking some things. Um, yeah, that's that's all I, I mean. Uh, but again, it doesn't really matter. It's just a small nitpick, I guess. Um, because I, I have heard other people, I think even, even Joanna Rouse and David Chen and their podcast, Eric, have mentioned it. They felt it was a little silly. But, but like you said, they, they they explain it. Now just move on. Ignore it. You know, accept it. Yep. Yeah. All right, so uh, I think uh, that pretty much is it. Uh, any final thoughts of the entire episode? Let's start with you. Mike. Yes, Phil. Yes. There is hope since there are backups of the hosts. Yes. You have hope that maybe they'll get Clementine back. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing, Mike. And, <laughs> and if not, if not, she will at least be back in the virtual world anyway. Yes. So she could get her there instead of getting zombie Clementine that we have right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Her her character. Zombie Clementine isn't as much fun. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of just. No, uh, but she's collecting an easy fucking paycheck this season. <laughs> I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. Just stand well, there. To, to, to be fair, the, the, that actress did some cool stuff uh, last episode uh, when they uh, when they walked into the bar and the other her oh, yeah. was, was there good. delivering her lines and she was mouthing along with her. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty fun. And I liked how she dragged Bernard the entire way. That was pretty cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So, but you're right, you're right. I, I, she's still uh, much more fun when, when she's not insane. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so that's good. Uh, any other thoughts? Final thoughts, Mike? No, that's um, I, I, we're we're obviously heading into uh, what I'm guessing is Act Three of the season, right? The the big finale, even though we're four episodes away from it, because we're starting to get most of the reveals coming. Uh, we're starting to get the characters coming together. Uh, if we're not in Act Three, we're at the end of Act Two. Yep. And they are. I'm guessing now something has to happen with. Uh, well, certainly, obviously, with Dolores and Teddy, because they are they're now at the Mesa. Uh, and then in addition to them, something has to be happening uh, with with the man in black next week, because they have not done much of anything with the man in black so far. Right. I, yeah, I have, yeah, that's true. I have a bold prediction. My bold prediction is that because of the train impact for some reason, technical uh, Elsie will not be able to get Bernard's consciousness back out of the cradle. And so therefore she will discover the consciousness in the pocket of Bernard's suit and put that into his head. And it's Arnold. And that's what we see later on talking to Dolores. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, oh, and that's what, who we see talking to uh, the Delos employees. In, yes, in, yes. In the earlier episodes in the future, uh-huh. weeks in the mm-hmm. future. Or, yeah. Right, for and that's why he's, that, he's a little more confused. But, oh, continue, Mike. For all we know, that could be uh, from Abraham Lincoln from the Hall of Presidents. I mean, we don't actually know sure. whose who's egg that is. We we don't, but that's why it's a bold prediction. Yep. Right, right. Yeah, you, you could be right. You could be, It could be Ford in, in the Arnold's body. Maybe. Uh, you you oh, do uh, look mighty bold standing out there on that limb. So, <laughs> but hey. You, you well, did hey, that. Be I was right about Elsie, and, and I was right about Ford. So there we go. Yes. All right. All right. Very good. Um, yeah, it was a good episode and whatnot. I don't really have much more to say. We, we've pretty much discussed everything and our thoughts, as well as what could happen from what we saw. Uh, and uh, Eric, your final thoughts? Anything? Uh, I really don't know where the plot's going to go from here. Uh, I, I can't fathom uh, what Dolores has planned uh, with her breaching with the train other than general mayhem and slaughter. I, I don't understand her end point there. Uh, I don't know where she's headed with that whole thing other than uh, killing a bunch of people. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with Maeve. I'm wondering if uh, if Lee's call went out and the people show up, whether Felix is going to go with them or stick around with Maeve. I honestly think he might stick with Maeve. Uh, so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has, has to be answered. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Yep, same here, same here. And uh, as you said, Mike, uh, it's the third act coming up. So uh, if it's the third act's as good as last season's third act, uh, we, we got some good TV coming. Well, and and I brought this up and discussing someplace else um, about Westworld. Someone else was saying that I, they were they weren't as happy with some of these episodes. And I said, well, what we said here before is that so much of first the first season made so much more sense after you knew the whole story, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the case here. And right. I think there's a lot of things that they've been hinting at all along, you know, like these. Um, the replicants, you know, that we didn't realize they were hinting at until we got and saw them right there in front of our face. 
Um, yes. And who knows? There's, it's always possible <clears throat> that the word cradle was mentioned somewhere in the past, and we just never took note of it because it didn't matter. I'm fairly confident it wasn't. Uh, yeah. Because I, I, did, I did rewatch season one right before the beginning of season two. Right. But I'm, and I'm sure if some if it had been, we would have seen it. If, if we're wrong about that, please call us out. But I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time they brought up the cradle. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's it's like one of those things that wasn't ever thought of in season one, and then now season two, they thought of it. But you know what? It's weird that they didn't bring it up maybe in earlier and even season two. Right, yeah. that's all I was saying. Yeah, because you know they wrote the whole se- season to, uh, and, you know, at, at one time you figure, and then they they film it, so they could. Well, you never you never know. <laughs> Sometimes stuff gets written as it's happening. That's true. That's true. Yeah, well, I figure it's season movies, one. Movies yeah. have been started without having a finished script. Uh, I imagine the same thing happens with TV. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Val Luden, right? He used to just give people titles. Right. And, and same with uh, Roger Corman at points, and then you just have to make the movie and write the script. Uh, you gonna say something, like? Yeah. What was it? Ah, oh, yeah. I say. I imagine again. They have this kind of sort of worked out. I don't imagine they have it beat by beat worked out, but they have the the highlights of each season worked out for where they want to go with the story. You know, and they made sure season one ended at a point that if that was the end, it would work as that end. And they probably knew that the cradle had nothing to do with what happened in season one, so why even bother really talking about it? Um, and then the same kind of thing here. You know, it's I don't, they probably knew they were going to need it, but I don't know if there was an opportunity to bring it up anywhere. Why would they even mention backups along the way? Right? This is a storage system. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was necessary for them to do it. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. So, well, anyway, um, we'll we'll find out. We got a few more episodes to go, uh, so uh, come back next week for Bullets, Brothels, and Butts. And uh, with that, all stated, Eric, why don't you leave us out? Uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in and let's talk about episode six of season two of Westworld. Come back next week. We'll talk about episode seven. <laughs> <laughs>